Okay. Well, um, I was thinking about this whole evening. I was thinking about the decorations, and I was looking forward to worship, which we've been talking about for the last few weeks at this at this church, and what a wonderful thing it is to praise the Lord. But I'll have to admit, uh, the message is the dessert to me. <laughs> and um, now's the time that we get to um, that part of the evening that's called the message. And um, although I'm now going to introduce my wonderful friend, Janie Alfred, um, I really believe with all my heart that as she opens her mouth, she'll share God's word and that God has a, a message for your heart. If you came here to tonight just wondering, God, do you see me? Do you hear me? Do you know me? Do you, do you have a word for me? I believe with all my heart the answer is yes. So, um, Dean, why don't you come up here? And I remember the very first time I laid eyes on you. I was a nervous wreck. Nineteen years ago, I was assigned to pick up the guest speaker. And I thought... Um, she probably was about seven feet tall, and she would come and wear high heels and big jewelry. And I, I changed my clothes three times before I went to the airport. And she came out of the gate, and she turned, and she spotted me right away, and she said, Well, hi! And I thought, I like Janie Alfred. She's from the South as you'll hear soon, so you don't have to wonder, from Louisiana. And she's a mother's mother. She has a mother's heart. She uh, majored in home economics. Some of you young girls don't know what that is at school, but it's where you cook a lot. Um, and I want to say with all my heart, she is a deep-watered girl. She's very, very silly. But um, she is a deep-watered girl, and it's a blessing to have you, Jamie Alfred. God bless you. Well, it is totally a blessing and a privilege to be with you tonight. And I just enjoyed being with you guys at the retreat last year. It was such a total blessing. And I love Miss Debbie. You know what she did with me when she brought me from the airport? She's, she was working with real estate, and she took me to see some houses. <laughs> she probably was hoping I'd move and buy one. No, not really. <laughs> but that was a fun time. I love that little somebody. You know, they always say good things come in little packages, and that's one of them. Just to start, I get to do my little ha-ha here. Um, she was talking about after Christmas what she was going to do with those gifts, you know. Well, I just want to read you one here. It says, "'Twas the month after Christmas, and all through the house, nothing would fit me, not even a blouse. <laughs> the cookies I'd nibbled, the eggnog I'd taste at the holiday parties had gone to my waist. When I got on the scales, there arose such a number. When I walked to the store, less a walk than a lumber. I'd remember the marvelous meals I'd prepared, the gravies and sauces and beef nicely reared, the punch and the candy, the bread and the cheese, and the way I had not said, no, thank you, please. As I dressed myself in my husband's old shirt, 
and prepared once again to do battle with dirt. I said to myself, as I only can, you can't spend the winter disguised as a man. <laughs> so away with the last of the sour cream dip. Get rid of the fruit cake, every cracker and chip, every last bit of food that I like must be banished till all the additional ounces have vanished. I won't have a cookie, not even a lick. I'll only chew on a long celery stick. I won't have hot biscuits or cornbread or pie. I'll munch on a carrot and quietly cry. I'm hungry, I'm lonesome, and life is a bore. But isn't that what January's for? <laughs> so as you enjoy those little treats tonight, you have January to look forward to. Tonight we're going to talk about that time so many years ago when the world had waited for the coming of the promised one. For the coming of Messiah, you see, 4,000 years before, in the Garden of Eden, something had taken place. Adam and Eve created by God, Adam from the dust of the earth and Eve from the rib of Adam, created in love in a garden. Adam and Eve didn't come with any baggage. They didn't come with mother-in-laws or in-laws or outlaws, either one. They didn't come from any dysfunctional family. And they had the perfect relationship with God. Because you see, Adam and Eve had never sinned. Sin was not a part of this new world. And Adam and Eve were only given one rule in the garden. They could eat of every tree in the garden but one. Can you imagine one rule? One rule. But that was the rule that got them. Because I'm sure every time they passed that tree, there was just something about that tree. I know I can have all of these, but I want that one. Aren't we like that? Isn't our flesh like that? It just craves what we shouldn't have. And every time they passed that tree, and of course they had a little help. There was someone else in the garden. Oh, Eve, you've been looking at the tree again? <laughs> Eve, what is it about that tree? Huh? Why is it? What is it anyway that God said about that tree? Oh, he said you couldn't eat of that tree? Mean God. What is he trying to keep? From you, Eve. He said you would die. Oh, precious. You won't die, Eve. It's because you will be as God. You will be equal with God. Go ahead, Eve. Try the fruit, precious. And Eve listened, and Eve gave in, and Eve partook of the fruit. And Adam wasn't off in the field somewhere. He was right there with her. I mean, he should have slapped her hand and said no, because she ate the fruit and nothing happened. But then she turned to him, and she gave him the fruit. 
Adam knew exactly what he was doing. The Bible says Eve was deceived, but Adam wasn't. And he knowingly took that fruit. He knowingly disobeyed God. And when he partook of that fruit, their eyes were open. It says the innocence was gone. And now they saw each other for the first time in a new light. In light of the sin, the disobedience that they had committed against God. And Adam looked at Eve and Eve looked at Adam and they both said, You're naked! (laughs) You'd think they would have noticed before. But you see, before there was innocence. There was purity. And now there was sin. and, And now there was a problem. They had to cover themselves. And they went in the garden and found big old fig leaves. Can you imagine taking a fig leaf to make clothes? It's sticky and it's mel- milky and, and uh, I don't think it would be very comfortable. Plus, if it kind of started drying up, you know, your skirt would just get shorter and shorter. <laughs> and the saddest thing of all was not only were they trying to cover their bodies with their makeshift clothes, but they also were trying to hide from God. They never had to hide from God before. But now they were hiding because they were guilty and they were condemned and they felt separated from God by their sin. God knew what had happened. See, he knows us so well. He knows everything about us. We can't really hide from him, can we? Reminds me of the little kid that gets behind the tree and they got half of them sticking out, but they think you can't see them. God came. How sad he must have been. His beautiful creation, hiding, guilty. And in order for God to make clothes to cover their bodies, he had to kill Adam's pet lamb, that little lamb that he had named and loved and nurtured. Death had never entered the garden. But now there was death. Blood was shed in order to cover their bodies with clothes. And in the same way, God gave a promise in the garden. One day, he would send a savior. Because now Adam and Eve were tainted by sin. And they would pass that sin nature to their children and their children and their children and their children. And all of us have inherited that sin nature. You see it so clearly in a little baby. Isn't it amazing how quickly they learn to say, mine? How quickly that little nature comes out. You know, you can clothe them and, and, you know, change their diapers and feed them. And they're still going, wah. You can tell. That's a mimi wah. It's amazing how quickly you see that little sin nature. So here's the dilemma. Adam and Eve could never produce an offspring that was perfect. Everyone would be tainted with sin. Now, God is a God of justice and a God of holiness. And he doesn't have fellowship with sin. But he's also a God of love and mercy and grace. And you see, his love motivated him to become the sacrifice for man. The creator becoming the created. Jesus came in the flesh. It says in Philippians 2 that he was not holding on to his glory in heaven, but he was willing to become a man. He was willing to become a man, not only a little baby, a helpless little baby that was dependent on his mother, 
but a man who would one day die on a cross. Because that was the only way that the sins of Adam and Eve and all their children could be covered. That death on the cross by the perfect one. This one had to be born of God, not born of man. Because he had to be perfect. Mary was a young girl living in an obscure village. Not important. Not famous, young. And all these years, man had been waiting for God's promise to be fulfilled. Would God keep his promise he made in the garden? Would it really ever come to pass? In Galatians, it says, in the fullness of time. You know that God's timing is perfect. It's not our timing says with God, one day is as a thousand years. And sometimes it feels like a thousand years when you're asking God for something, doesn't it? Or when circumstances have been so difficult for so long and you think, will they ever change? God, will you ever touch the heart of my wayward child? Will you ever touch the heart of my husband who's not a believer? Will you ever do those things that I so long to have done and I've prayed and prayed and prayed? It says that many died not seeing the fulfillment of the promise. But there was one thing that they had. Belief. Faith. Faith that even though they were dying without seeing it fulfilled, that one day God would keep his promise. You see, God is a promise keeper. He is. That's the awesome thing about God. He doesn't break his promises. He doesn't lie. He's not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. What he says he will do, he will do. And God is also eternal. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's ever here. He has no beginning. He has no end. In fact, he told Moses his name is I Am. In other words, I'm, I am always the same. There's one um, attribute of God called immutability. It's not a word we talk about all the time, but it literally means unchanging. Aren't you thankful God doesn't change his mind? I've changed my mind lots of times. I've had lots of colors in my house. In fact, when I got married so many years ago, we were doing avocado and orange. Some of you remember those colors. And then I moved on to blue and mauve. <laughs> Never heard of mauve when I was a young girl. And then we went to sage green, always moving. And then we start on the hair. You know, the other day I was in the airport and I handed them my uh, driver's license, which I haven't changed the picture for a lot of years. And I could see the person going. <laughs> and I said, not even my hairdresser knows what my color is for real. <laughs> changing aren't we and you know we're we're so that we can just change our mind like that you know you tell the kids well today we're going to go to the park oh well i changed my mind <laughs> mom but god never changes he never changes his mind he never breaks a promise this promise was to be fulfilled in god's fullness of time. And that's where we come to in Luke chapter 1. This is when God decided it was the perfect time 
for the promise to be fulfilled. He had also, 700 years before Jesus was born, given a prophecy to the prophet Isaiah. And he said a virgin would conceive and bear a son. Let's look at Luke chapter 1, if you have your Bible. If you don't, just listen. We're going to start with verse 18. Uh, Let's go to verse 11, actually. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to Zacharias. Zacharias was a priest. His wife was Elizabeth. He was quite old, and they had never been able to have children. And that was a sadness for them. In fact, in, in that day and time, if you didn't have children, you wondered what you had done wrong, that God hadn't blessed you with children. And so Zacharias was a priest, and he was serving the Lord in the temple. And as he was serving God, this angel appeared, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. Now, I can empathize with that. If I was, you know, talking to the Lord one day, and all of a sudden an angel appeared, I think I would be afraid. Okay. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias. Do you remember when the angels came to the shepherds in the field? What was it they said to the shepherds? Fear not. Fear is such a natural human response, isn't it? We all can be afraid. But I love the fact that God doesn't want us to have fear. He wants to remove the fear of so many things that we can fear. And I think his words right here to Zacharias, and we're going to see later, he said the same thing to Mary, and he said the same thing to shepherds, because he knew that this would be a natural response. And it's something that Jesus came to change. He came to bring peace where there was fear. He came to bring joy and hope where there was hopelessness and doubt. You know, we many times want to be happy. You know, they even had a song, Be Happy. Remember that song? Be Happy. Well, you know what? Happiness is related to circumstances. If things are going my way, I'm happy. But when things are not going my way, when things are difficult, when things are tough, when things are scary, many times my happiness goes right down the drain. Joy is a different story. Joy is that inner joy that you have regardless of the circumstances. That joy in knowing that God is with us. That joy in knowing that God loves me and God has a plan for my life. The joy in knowing that I can depend on what God says in his word. What he says he will do. So here's Zacharias in the temple and here's the angel and he's afraid. And the angel said, do not be afraid, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Now, Zacharias should have been jumping up and down. So excited with this news. He's waited so long. And and his dear, precious old wife 
didn't have much hope of having children. She was kind of like Sarah. Remember Sarah? God had promised that a child would be born to Abraham and Sarah. And when this angel came and said that that was going to happen, Sarah laughed. This is a joke. It can't be true. I haven't been with Abraham for days, for years, for months. Oh, my goodness. How can this be? But it was true. God fulfilled the promise. Sarah had a son. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. But look at Zechariah's response. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. I don't know if God could do it. Have you ever been that way? Can you do it, God? You know what we do? We put God down here. We make him impotent. We make him as powerful as we are. And we're not very powerful. Listen. We're talking about the King of Kings. We're talking about the Lord of Lords. We're talking about God, creator of the universe. So many times we have to be reminded through scripture of who God is. His power, his majesty, his greatness. And is anything too difficult for God? Ladies, I want to tell you, it's not. The other night I went to uh, a memorial service that we have every year in Temecula. And we come and remember loved ones that we've lost through the years. There's a table there with pictures of different ones. And my daughter was murdered three years ago. So we've been going to this service to remember. And this year they had a man speak whose name is Don Piper. Don Piper is a, a pastor. And he was coming home from a conference. And an 18-wheeler ran head-on into his car. Other cars were involved in the accident, but no one else was hurt except Don. And not only was he hurt, but he died. Another pastor was coming from a, the same conference where Don had been, and he stuck in the line because of all the accident on the bridge. He couldn't get across the bridge. And as he was sitting in his car, he told his wife, I think God wants me to go pray for the person in that red car. So he got out. His wife went with him. They came up to the paramedics and the policemen. And they said, we want to pray for the man in the car. They said, oh, he's, it's, too, it's too late. He's dead. We've already put a tarp over his body. His body's mangled. You don't want to see him. And the man just kept insisting, I, I want to pray for him. God told me to pray for him. I was a medic in Vietnam. It won't bother me. I, it does, I can handle that. All the windows had been blown out of the car and... The side where he was was all smashed in on him. So this pastor kind of got toward the back of the car and put his hand on Don's shoulder. And he started praying for him. And as he was praying, the Lord impressed on his heart to start singing, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And when he started singing, the dead man started singing with him. Can you imagine? Uh uh, Mr. Policeman, Mr. Paramedic, the dead man singing. And that's what happened. But Don spent 90 minutes in heaven. And 
Saturday night, he was sharing what it was like to be in heaven. What it was like to be there. He said the first one that greeted him was his grandfather. And then he saw his great-grandmother. And he saw a friend who had drowned, a Christian friend. And he started looking at the crowd that greeted him right in front of the pearly gates. And he said all of them were people through his life who had encouraged him in the Lord. Christians. And he said they were excited and they were welcoming him. He said the minute I died, I saw this. I was there with them. And he said, the thing that I keep remembering is the music in heaven. He said, people were singing over here and over there, different songs, but it all blended. It wasn't chaotic. And he said, the sound of the angel's wings, the rustle of the angel's wings. He said, let me tell you something, people. God is the God of miracles. He said, God brought me back. God wanted me here. And he said, when I was going through the healing process for 18 months, I kept saying, God, why? Why did you bring me back? I didn't want to come. I wanted to stay up there. He said, believe me, people, if you have a loved one up there, they don't want to come back. (laughs) He said, but God said to me, I want you to come back because I want you to share with others what you've seen. I want you to be a testimony of who Jesus is and what he can do for their lives. And they will have heaven if they have Jesus as their savior. He said, let me tell you something. This part of my arm from my wrist to my elbow was in the back seat. He said, a large part of my femur, the largest bone in your leg was missing. And he said they took, they did some kind of thing that a Russian doctor had invented. And they took bone from other parts of his body and tried and used this process that was very, very painful to kind of fuse it back together. But they told Don, your arm will be useless. It's just going to hang at your side. But at least you'll have an arm. He said, he said, you see, God is the God of miracles. He said, they said, you won't walk. And he said, did you see me come up the steps to the podium? (laughs) Listen, our God is an awesome God. He can bring an old lady a baby and a very special baby at that. But here's the ticket. Zacharias didn't believe. Well, and something happened to him. It's called cat got your tongue. (laughs) Listen to this. The angel answered when Zacharias was saying, oh, but how can this, this won't happen, this can't be, I'm old, she's old, there's no way, no way, Jose, it can't happen. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place. Why? Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Here's a picture of unbelief. You see, unbelief doesn't magnify the Lord. Unbelief is the opposite of trust. And that's what God wants. God wants us to trust him, to trust his word, to trust what he has spoken. That's Zacharias. Now let's come to Mary. Verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel got another trip, 
was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. This virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Wouldn't you like to hear those words? You have found favor with God. That's what I want. I want to find favor with him. You know, God said that David was a man after his own heart. Wouldn't you like that to be on your tombstone? She was a woman after God's heart. How will people remember you? Will they remember a crazy woman at Christmas? Running all over the place. Get out of my way. I got to get things done. You know, it's always puzzled me why we do all this stuff at Christmas. We send cards. We buy presents. We wrap presents. We decorate. We make special cookies. Why don't we do all those things one time of the year? I would love to get Christmas cards in March. Wouldn't you? You don't have time to read them at Christmas. In March, there's nothing going on. Be a great thing to do. We can get ourselves so stressed running around trying to get it all done because they don't give us much time in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Although, they're trying to give us more time, aren't they? Because they start putting out the Christmas stuff at Halloween. It's unreal. We get stressed instead of blessed. This should be this season. When we're thinking about whose birthday we're celebrating. But instead, we're making a list, all right, and we're checking it twice. And sometimes we can be naughty, not nice. And that the truth? Because we get so carried away. Well, here's Mary. Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb... And bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. Mary, you have been chosen to fulfill the promise God gave in the garden. You have been chosen to bear Messiah, the Savior. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. I love this. Mary, this humble young girl, in a very, very obscure place. And yet God comes to her. Mary, you have been chosen by God. You have found favor with God. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Since I do not know a man. That's a very logical question. Mary was engaged. She was engaged to Joseph. In those days, if you were engaged, the engagement period might be quite long. 
because the young man would make a covenant agreement with your father. He would pay him a sum of money. They would have a ceremony where they made a, a, a contract, so to speak, that Mary or this woman would remain set apart, consecrated to him until he came back to get her. And what would he be doing in the meantime? He was going to prepare a place for her. But you see, he couldn't decide that now was the time to go get his bride. His daddy had to inspect the place and say, okay, son, go get your bride. Mary, or the bride, in the meantime, was waiting for her beloved. When she would go out, she would wear a veil, saying to everyone that she was already chosen by a young man and no other man was to flirt with her. Um, I used to live in Brazil. You know what they do when they're engaged? They wear their wedding ring on the right hand, the man and the woman. Don't you think that's good? And then when they get married, they transfer it over to the left hand. I think that's a cool way to go. But Mary was supposed to be set apart. Now, if Mary got involved with another man before the marriage took place, then her father would have to pay double the dowry that the young man had paid him. And the young man could choose to have her stoned because she had broken the law. This was the penalty. And Mary said, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you, shadow you. Therefore, also that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Mary, it's not by man. This is going to be a holy birth. This birth is by God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. You see, they didn't have any uh, emails to figure out that Elizabeth was president. President. Pregnant. <laughs> No way to know, but the angel was the email. She's conceived in her old age, and now the sixth month for her who was called barren. And then the angel says that awesome statement, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Do you believe that? With God, nothing is impossible. God can do anything he so chooses. And if he chooses not to do it, it's because it wasn't the best thing to be done. That's where that trust comes in again. Trusting him. When I pray and I ask him for something, that he knows what's best for me. He knows what's best for my, my family. He knows the plan that he has for us. And he says, that plan is for good, not for evil. To give me a future and a hope. And then Mary said... Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What was Mary saying? Whatever God wants to do, I'm his bondservant. I'm willing. Is that how you feel? God, whatever you want to do, however you want to use me, Whatever you have called me to, I'm your bondservant. I want to be used for your glory. Now, like I said, Mary was stand, uh, facing a horrible situation. 
What was she going to tell her parents when she became pregnant? Um, it's by God. <laughs> yeah, right. That's a new one. What about her fiancé? Joseph, I have to tell you something. I'm with child by the Holy Spirit. Think about that. That would just sound so ludicrous. But you see, Joseph was also a believing man. And the angel paid him a visit too. And told him that the child that Mary was carrying wasn't by another man. But this child was from God. And you know what? Joseph believed what the angel said. And he did not have Mary put away. He did not have her stoned. He was willing to continue to be her fiance, while she was carrying this child. And then Mary went to pay a visit to Elizabeth. And that's when she sang this beautiful song of praise. My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul praises the Lord. You know, we think of magnify, you increase the size of something. You make it bigger. I need that more and more these days. I like large print. I like magnifying glasses to increase the ability to see something? Well, you see, God wants to increase your knowledge of who he is. He, John the Baptist, who was Zechariah's son, said he must increase, I must decrease. Isn't that what you want in your life? For him to increase in your life. For your knowledge of who he is and what he's all about. Your knowledge of his love for you. Your knowledge of his grace and his mercy needs to increase in your life. I'll tell you what, Christmas can be a hard time of year, especially now with the economy as it is. But it's giving us an opportunity to trust God. Am I going to trust him? Am I going to trust him when I don't have the funds To get what I need for Christmas? Am I going to trust him when I don't have a job? And I can't see how we're going to make it through? You know, one time I was getting ready to move to Colorado. And I lived in California. And I didn't have any blankets. And I didn't have any shoes even that were closed. You know, all of them had holes in them or sandals. And I was concerned about that. And I took my prayer book and my prayer journal. And I wrote, God... I need electric blankets. And I forgot about it. About two weeks later, a lady called me. And she said, Janie, I want you to come over for lunch. I went over to her house for lunch. When we got through eating, she said, did you see the big bags at the front door? I said, yeah, what is that? She said, it's for you. I went to those bags and opened them up. And there were electric blankets for my entire family. Now, I didn't tell her that. God did. God impressed that on her heart, and she bought those blankets. You know what? In my prayer journal, I circled that big red. Wow, God, you're faithful. You care that I'm not going to freeze in Colorado. You want me to stay warm. You provided those blankets. Ladies, so many times. I can remember one time we were assistant pastors at a church. We weren't making very much money. And I remember we were getting in the car, and my husband said, Honey, we only have $25 to last the rest of the month. That's for food. That's for gas. That's for everything. And I'm thinking, 
That's nothing. Oh, my goodness. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? You know how you get in that fretting mode, that fearful mode. And then I remembered that scripture. Be anxious for nothing. Nada. But in everything, even when you don't know where it's going to come from, even the little tiny things that concern you, by prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart. Well, I went to church that day and the lady that cleaned the church, she was a single mom, had a bunch of kids, came up to me and she said, God impressed me to give this to you. And she handed me $20. And I felt horrible. I thought, oh my goodness, I can't take this money from her. She's a single mom. She doesn't have anything. And I had said, no, I can't take it. She said, yes. God has told me to give it to you, and he's going to bless me. I need to give it to you. Don't don't hinder my blessing. <laughs> okay. And then a phone call came. And a lady, a, a lady, a little German lady in our church, called and asked the church secretary to tell me to stop by her house on the way home. I stopped by her house, and she said, come inside. I went inside. Her whole entire dining room was filled with groceries everywhere. I said, what is this? She said, well, the Lord woke me up this morning and told me to go to the grocery store for you. (laughs) And she bought things I never would have bought that were really fun and awesome. And my kids were so excited. You see, our God is an awesome God. He's praiseworthy. We should magnify him because he is so faithful. You know, when my daughter was killed, I couldn't even have imagined before that going through that situation. But I want to tell you what, my God has been there. He has been faithful. He has met me at every turn in the road. He has comforted me and strengthened me. And in fact, in the hospital when she had just passed away, a chaplain came in and she gave me the book that Don Piper wrote, 90 Minutes in Heaven. And I'll tell you what, that book, bless my heart. I read it from cover to cover in the next couple of days. Just to think what my daughter was experiencing in heaven. One thing Don did say, he said, let me tell you what, in heaven you look really good. (laughs) He, he He said, you'll recognize each other, but you look really good. He said, my, uh, My great-grandmother had osteoporosis, and she had a hump on her back on earth. He said she didn't have it in heaven. Isn't that great? Aren't you excited? He said only Jesus will have the scars because of the sacrifice he made for us. So Mary magnified the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Ladies, are you rejoicing in God your Savior? This is what we should be doing. But instead, a lot of times this Christmas time, we're running around like a chicken with its head cut off. There's no rejoicing there, let me tell you. And our families, what do they partake of? You know, when Jesus came, it says in the book of John that God so loved the world that he sent his son to save the world. That was God's love demonstrated to us. And I pray that every one of you in here has accepted that gift of love and salvation that Jesus has for you. Because he wants to come and give you that peace and that joy and that purpose that he promised. Even as those angels came to those shepherds, peace, goodwill 
to men. That's how we can have peace in our hearts when we have Jesus. I want to read one little thing because so many times we get in such a stew during Christmas. I want to read 1 Corinthians 13 Christmas style. Be, uh, if I decorate my house perfectly with plaid bows, start strands of twinkling lights and shiny balls, but do not show love to my family, I'm just another decorator. If I slave away in the kitchen baking dozens of Christmas cookies, preparing gourmet meals, arranging a beautifully adorned table at mealtime, but do not show love to my family, I'm just another cook. If I work at the soup kitchen, carol in the nursing home, and give all that I have to charity, but do not show love, it profits me nothing. If I trim the spruce with shimmering angels and crocheted snowflakes and attend many holiday parties and sing in the choir, but do not focus on Jesus, I've missed the point. Love stops the cooking to hug the child. Love sets aside the decorating to kiss the husband. Love is kind, though weary and tired. Love doesn't envy another's home that has coordinated Christmas china and table linens. <laughs> Love doesn't yell at the kids, get out of the way. Love doesn't give only to those who are able to give in return, but rejoices in giving to those who can't. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Love never fails. Video games may break, pearl necklaces get lost, golf clubs will rust. But giving the gift of love will endure forever. Now, when I get stressed, I'm not loving. I'll just be honest with you. I can be a real brat. The only way in this holiday season that is so crunched that I can give that love to my family and those around me is when I'm spending time with the lover of my soul. Because you see, God's love is what enables me to love others. Because if I'm not loving God and I'm not allowing his love to be in me, guess who I love? Me. It's all about me. Have you ever felt that way? Get out of my way. I'm having a hard time. Can't you figure it out? I've got too many things to do and not enough time to do it. And that love goes right out the window. You see, God wants us to show forth his love and his light. The other day, my daughter brought some boys and girls to my house. The boys' pants were the kind that, you know, kind of hang to the ground and they walk like this. I saw one in Walmart the other day and he's just... I'm saying, what is he going to be as an old man? He's going to be really in pain. So she brings these kids over. And when they come, they're always hungry. And she goes in front of them, Mom, can you fix everybody some food? And I'm thinking, I don't want to feed them. I don't want them in my house. Pull your pants up, boy. You know. All these very godly feelings. <laughs> and I kid you not, I was making a sandwich. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, 
as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Boy, God, this is the least. This is really the least. This is scraping the bottom of the barrel. But isn't that the truth? We talk about love. We talk about being this loving Christian. And yet when it comes down to the nitty gritty, can I love the unlovely? Can I love my husband when he's driving me crazy? Yeah. In Jesus' strength. In Jesus' power. And you know, it blesses God when I love with his love. It blesses God when I choose to trust instead of fear. Do you know that the German word for fear literally means choked or strangled? And that's what fear can do to you, can't it? We, fear, we feel strangled. We feel choked. It, it paralyzes us. God says that his perfect love cast out fear. Because as I have Jesus as my Savior, I don't have to fear dying. I don't have to fear facing eternity. Because he has promised to be absent here is to be present with him in heaven. And heaven is a real place. I want to go there. How about you? But while I'm here, I want his light to shine through me. And I I made a little list here. How can I magnify him? How can I magnify the Lord? Love others as I'm resting in God. Trust him. For all of my needs. In fact, Psalm 46 says, cease striving, be still, and know that I am God. Literally, that means let your hands drop. You know what? God cares about all the stuff that concerns you. He's faithful. He'll get you through. Be that vessel of God's light to others. Let your light shine before men. In fact, when you look at those lights on the Christmas tree... Am I shining for God? I have a friend. She's the most evangelistic woman I've ever met. She uses every single little opportunity that comes across her path to share Jesus with others. One day she was helping out at a booth at a fair, and she saw all these young men in orange suits. They were in orange suits because they were prisoners, and they were out cleaning things up. And she goes over to them, and she just starts talking to them. And she says, do you guys know Jesus? You have Jesus in your heart? And they're like, where'd she come from? I mean, but the more she talked, the more God started touching their hearts. And it ended up that two of the young men came over to her with tears coming down their faces, wanting to ask Jesus into their hearts. Oh, that we would be that light. You never know when God's going to send somebody across your path. And you might be the only Bible that they will ever read. Be that light. That Jesus wants you to be. This magnifies the Lord. Praise him. The angels were praising him. Saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among men. With whom he's pleased. Listen. Do you praise him? When things don't go your way. When that souffle flops. Are you praising him? That's such a a good attitude. An attitude of praise and gratitude. Thanking him, praising him, that magnifies the Lord. In fact, it says in Philippians 2, do all things. How many is all? All things without grumbling, disputing, so you can appear as lights in the world. You know what? When you grumble and complain, shh, your light is hidden. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine, right? 
Praise him, for he is worthy of our praise. David said that in Psalm 69. I will praise with a song and magnify with thanksgiving. That's what it means. When I thank him, I'm magnifying him. Psalm 70, he said, let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. And let those who love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. They're going to think you're really weird, but that'll be a good thing to greet people with. The Lord be magnified and then say, Merry Christmas. Okay. <laughs> World's trying to take that away from us. Did you know that? I refuse to say happy holidays, right? Merry Christmas, because it's all about Christ. And if we take Christ out of Christmas, why do we even have it? Amen? Amen. So let your light shine. Glorify him. Praise him. Worship him. Because, ladies, God is in control. He is the God of the impossible. He can do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything you can imagine. Give him this season. Let him order your days. Let him order your ways. He wants to be that king of kings and lord of lords in your life. And again, if you don't know him, there are going to be ladies up here later that will be willing to pray with you. Because he said that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts... That he is that savior. That we will be saved. And that's exactly what God wants to give us as a gift this Christmas. If you don't know him. He wants you to know him as savior and Lord. He's faithful. My soul magnifies the Lord. Is that true with you? Is your soul magnifying the Lord? Let's pray. Lord how we thank you and praise you. For being willing to come to earth and be our Savior. How we thank you, Jesus, for coming to this young servant girl. For being willing to let her be your mother. That you might be that baby in her arms and then our Savior on the cross. We thank you, God, that you loved us so much. That you died for us while we were yet sinners. You fulfilled the promise in the garden. And Lord, I pray for each one of these ladies. God, you know what they're going through. You know the trials in their lives. And God, you are so faithful and so able to do the impossible. We thank you and praise you, Father, that you want to fill us with your peace and your joy. That you want to remove all fear. We just pray, God, that even now as we go home, that you'll fill us with your love and enable us to love others as you love them. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus name.